0: Okay, please pray with me. Oh, holy God, you are the great, the mighty, and the awesome God. You keep your covenant of loving kindness. At the great cost of the shed blood of your one and only beloved son, you equip us to keep covenant with you. Father, I pray right now that you would give us understanding of your word so that we might keep it and observe it with all our hearts. We want to walk in the path of your commands, for there we will find delight. Holy Spirit, set our hearts to study your word, obey it, do it, and teach it to others. In this moment, I pray that you would turn our eyes away from worthless things and revive us in your way. I pray that you would use me, loving Father, to speak your word to your people. Wash this sinner clean. Empty me of all my flesh and all my strength. Fill me with your Spirit's power. This I humbly ask in the majestic and merciful name of Jesus Christ, who is both Adonai and Savior. Amen. Have you ever been intoxicated? Now, don't answer that. That's kind of personal. But to be intoxicated is to be so filled with something that it alters your senses and changes your entire being to the point that you're no longer yourself. Excessive alcohol or drug abuse does that. So does being head over heels in love. I mean, some people are intoxicated with love. They're intoxicated with beauty, success, or self-adoration. But what would it be like To be so filled with the very life of God that it altered your senses and changed your entire being. The word intoxicated has negative connotations. The root word is toxic. Alcohol, drugs, idolatry, those are toxic. They alter us in destructive ways. Inspirited is a better word for being filled with the life of God. The word in spirit means to be filled with Spirit, and the Spirit who fills believers is the Holy Spirit. The word inspirited describes the disciples from the day of Pentecost till the day they died. Their whole reason for being was to live the gospel, share the gospel, and die for the gospel. Nothing else mattered. They surrendered their whole lives to Christ. Therefore, he filled them with the incredible Holy Spirit power displayed in the early church. This kind of power is rarely seen in Christians today because... Many refuse to surrender to the Spirit of God living in them. Christianity today is too often centered on human emotions. How I love, how I feel, how I live, how I serve. The truth is is that a believer's life is defined by Jesus Christ. He is the Lord or Master of every true Christian. Today... Every believer receives the precious gift of their own personal Pentecost. The moment they trust in Jesus Christ, the very life of God comes to live in them. From that point on, genuine believers have the ability to live in or filled with the life of God. But the extent of their spiritual filling depends on on the extent to which they submit to Jesus Christ as Lord. That is because under living under the Lordship of Jesus Christ requires a submissive spirit. That's what we're gonna examine um, in our two divisions today, spirit filled and spirit-led. So our first division is spirit filled, Ephesians chapter five verses 18 through 21. Verse 18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. To Paul, I mean, this is kind of a no brainer. He says, do not be intoxicated with wine. He says, this is worldly behavior, debauchery, depravity. Those who are in Christ must be filled with the Spirit. Now, the Spirit, of course, refers to the Holy Spirit who already lives in every believer. In John 14, 16, Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would permanently indwell his followers. That means believers, of course. And this would be a gift of grace. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, we learn that having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. The filling of the Holy Spirit referred to in verse 18 comes as believers submit to him so that he can fully possess or fill them. As we learned in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, the Holy Spirit can be grieved by our sin. This keeps us from experiencing the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. A submissive spirit gives the Holy Spirit freedom to reign or completely control over every part of our lives. Now, this includes our innermost thoughts as well as our outward actions. Is that true of you? Are you continually filled with the Holy Spirit? Let me answer that for you. No, and neither am I. Why? Because we are still infected with the sin that grieves the Holy Spirit and quenches His power. If we want to be spirit-filled, we must regularly confess our sins and submit to live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. He is our Adonai. Living under his lordship requires a submissive spirit. Now, Adonai, as you learned in your lesson this week, is a title for Jesus that literally means master or lord. As Adonai, he has the right to reign over his people. In the Bible, when the word Lord is used and it's not all in capital letters, it refers to Adonai. He reigns and he rules over every believer. And we experience his loving lordship when we surrender or submit to him. Not only do we experience his loving lordship, our submission results in the filling of the Holy Spirit. We are inspirited. Jesus is Adonai, Lord of lords. Do you walk under his lordship? If you call yourself a child of God, cultivate a submissive spirit. Paul has labored to show us the fundamental change of identity of those who are in Christ. This change is profound. We go from being defined as an enemy under God's wrath to being welcomed into God's family as a beloved child. In Christ, we are no longer slaves to sin defined by past failures or present struggles. We have been delivered from the realm of darkness and now belong to the kingdom of light. Hallelujah. Child of God, the very life of God lives in you. Are you allowing yourself to be polluted by the intoxicants of this world? Or are you inspirited, filled with Holy Spirit, power. Paul details the overflow or the outworking of an inspirited Christian in verses 19 through 21. Now, this is not a list of commands that believers must do. It is the result of our new identity as believers. If we are spirit-filled, Verse 19 says that we will address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord from the heart. Spirit-filled worship is described here, and it is both horizontal and vertical. We address one another as we sing, but we also sing to the Lord. This highlights our need for corporate worship. Worship that encourages our hearts and strengthens our souls as it is done to the Lord from the heart. This is an inspirited exercise. In verse 20, Paul says spirit-filled believers will give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Constant gratitude. That's what he's talking about here. Constant gratitude always for everything. Nothing is excluded in good times and in bad times. For good things and for bad things. Spirit-filled believers give thanks. How do we do that when we're going through hard or challenging times? How do we do that when we're suffering? We keep our minds fixed on what God has done for us, what he's done in us. We remember who we are and whose we are. We submit to his loving lordship to live in-spirited, filled with all the fullness of the life of God. He then equips us to be thankful people instead of grumbling or complaining people. Give thanks to God the Father in the name of your Adonai, always, always. And for everything, do this in private, and do this as you meet with fellow Christians. Cultivate a heart that overflows with thankfulness. Finally, in verse 21, Paul says, Spirit-filled believers will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Believers submit to one another because of the reign and rule of Adonai over their lives. Living under his lordship requires a submissive spirit. And again, our submission is both horizontal and vertical to Christ and to one another. And we do it out of reverence for Christ. Commentator Peter O'Brien says that the word submit literally means to arrange under. It was used in the military to refer to the subordination of soldiers in an army to those of superior rank. Believers are to arrange themselves under one whose rank is infinitely more superior than any other ruler. Adonai. The Lord Jesus Christ, he gave his life to give us life, to give us new identities. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, our ultimate authority. He reigns over his kingdom of beloved subjects, you and me, out of reverence for him. Crown him as Adonai over every part of life. This gives us our first truth. A submissive spirit crowns Jesus Christ as Adonai over every part of life. Who or what are you submitting to as Lord over your life? Who or what do you crown as Lord over your time, talent, and treasure? Regularly ask yourselves these simple questions. An honest look at your day-to-day life will reveal if you are more intoxicated with the world than you are inspirited with the life of God. Every believer has the very life of God living in them. I can't say that enough. You have the very life of God living in you. This is part of your new identity. Let his life in you define you. Surrender to your Adonai and live according to his inspiriting power. Then Holy Spirit power will equip you to do whatever he calls you to do. A submissive spirit crowns Jesus Christ as Adonai over every part of life. He then fills us with his spirit. And once we are spirit filled, we must be spirit led. Paul expands on this in our second division spirit led, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through chapter 6, verse 9. Now, when Paul says that we are sub- to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, he is referring to our relationships. He applies that truth to three key relationships, wives and husbands, children and parents, and slaves and master. In each relationship, Paul reveals God's ordained order. He also magnifies our need to be filled with all the fullness of God, and he gives us truths that underscore our need to submit to Christ. Lordship. So, whether these relationships apply to you or not, there are basic principles threaded throughout that are good for you to know and to obey. So, the first relationship is between wives and husbands. Verses 22 through 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Submit, submit, submit. We hear that word throughout those verses. A submissive spirit is clearly required to live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Therefore, that phrase, as to the Lord, is important. His lordship lies behind a wife's godly, loving submission to her husband's headship. Now, this flies in the face of a modern culture that seeks to tear down the God-ordained institution of marriage. Our culture misinterprets and misunderstands biblical submission. Ligon Duncan clarifies, saying that the kingdom order of male headship liberates women to fulfill their redemptive function. From the world's perspective, submission restrains women... From a gospel perspective, submission frees us to do what we have been created and redeemed to do. Now such submission imitates Christ by dying to self with the goal of glorifying God. This is what verse 23 says, means when it says that a husband's headship over a wife is as Christ is the head of the church. So, when in verse 24 we see the command for wives to submit to their husbands in everything, meaning every part of life, it does not mean that she follows him in sinful behavior. That is not as Christ. We also must remember that this passage is anchored in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 which commands believers to be imitators of God as beloved children and to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So, a wife imitates Christ's sacrificial love to submit to her husband. A husband imitates Christ's sacrificial love to serve as head of his wife. Jesus shows us exactly what this headship looks like in his loving relationship with the church. He shows us it not only means authority, it also means loving, sacrificial service. Jesus humbled himself to become a servant of God, serving God's chosen people. He loved them, fed them, taught them, healed them, washed their feet, even those of his betrayer, Judas. Then he willingly laid down his life on the cross in the ultimate act of humility and servanthood. His actions exemplify a submissive spirit. Paul continues to address husbands in verses 25 through 31. His instruction for Christian husbands for their headship is far more detailed than his instruction for a Christian wife's submission. Commentator Brian Chapel says that biblical headship shifts the focus of husbanding, husbanding from taking charge to taking responsibility. Biblical headship is simply the exercise of God-given authority whereby a man does all that is within his power to see that love, justice, and mercy rule in his home even when fostering such qualities requires his own personal sacrifice. Truly, Christian husbands Carry a far heavier weight of responsibility before the Lord. Do you resent or grumble about your husband's headship? Or does his God-ordained calling as head send you to your knees in fervent prayer? Ladies, we must choose the latter. Christian husbands, they need our prayers To serve our Adonai effectively and sacrificially. Headship is a difficult calling. In verse 25, Paul underscores how difficult. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands are commanded to love their wives with a Christ-like, sacrificial love. And that is not easy when wives are uncooperative, unloving, and insubordinate. Brian Chapel again, he gives wives an amazing incentive to submit and encourage their husbands in the exercise of biblical headship. He says the exercise of biblical headship should enable a wife to know the fullness of God's grace in her life. Oh, What? Would our marriages look like if husbands were Christ-like heads and women were Christ-like in submission? Such marriages would serve to glorify God and sanctify one another. Indeed, Christ gave himself up for his bride that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing so that she might be holy and without blemish." That's in verses 26 through 27. And Paul is saying that sacrificial love, Christ's sacrificial love, bears the fruit of sanctification. The Holy Spirit sanctifies believers through the washing of water with the Word. This refers to the ministry of God's Word. Husbands bear the responsibility of ensuring that his marriage is saturated with the word of God in the home as well as in the place of worship. Like Christ, he acts to make his bride radiant in splendor, increasingly holy. And like Christ, Christian husbands are called to nourish and cherish their wives. Look at verses 28 through 30. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Christ nourishes and cherishes the church. We are his body. Husbands are called to imitate Christ in this. And this is mutually beneficial because a husband and wife are one flesh. When one suffers, both suffer. When one is sanctified, both are sanctified. Paul expands on this in verses 31 through 32. He says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying it refers to Christ and the church. The intimate and intricate bond between a husband and wife makes them one flesh. This design mirrors our union with Christ. Believers are one with him. God uses our union with Christ and our union in marriage to sanctify us until we become all that he intends for us to be. Now, the profound mystery that Paul refers to in verse 32 is the gospel. Through the gospel, Christ called a bride to himself, the church. Christian marriage illustrates this sacred act when the love between a husband and wife is based on Christ's love for the church. Paul summarizes his instruction to wives and husbands in verse 33. He says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband the next key relationships that Paul applies Christian submission to are between children and parents and slaves and masters. Much of what we have learned about husbands and wives applies here. Paul continues to show us that living under the lordship of Jesus Christ requires a submissive spirit. So in verses uh, 1 through 3 of Ephesians chapter 6, he addresses Christian children. Now, they were part of Paul's original audience. So they would have been sitting there when Paul's epistles were being read. So he addresses them and he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your mother and father. This is the first command with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So Paul skillfully recalls God's fifth commandment, which is the foundation upon which respect for elders and authorities is built. A child's obedience to his or her parents is done in the Lord. Again, that prompts us to remember that this requires a submissive spirit. This requires children to live with a submissive spirit toward their parents, no matter how old they are. In verse 4, he instructs fathers not to provoke their children to anger, but to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Again, the phrase of the Lord tells us a submissive spirit is required. Jesus Christ is Lord over every part of a believer's lives. Fathers and mothers are to love children just as Christ loves the church, imitating his sacrificial, divine, and perfect love. He loves us with a tender, patient, gracious, merciful, loving kindness. Parents should love their children the same way. This is a high and holy calling. This is an impossible calling apart from the inspiriting of the Holy Spirit. Again, a submissive spirit is required to parent under the lordship of Jesus Christ. This truth applies to God's ordained order in every part of our lives. Paul moves on to address bond servants and masters in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 5 through 9. He says, "Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service With a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Now, in some of your translations, it might use the word slave rather than bondservant. Paul neither promotes nor condemns slavery here. That's not his focus. Slavery was a fact of life in his day. His focus is on submitting to God-ordained authority in places of service, employment, and even government. In Romans chapter 13, verse 1, Paul writes, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So whether we like it or not, those who are in positions of authority have been placed there by God. He is absolutely sovereign over all things at all times. Christians are called to obey those in authority over them with fear and trembling and with a sincere heart, just as they obey Christ. They are his bondservants, his blood-bought slaves. Therefore, they are to walk according to his will from the heart. Paul speaks to masters in verse 9. He says, Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. So if Christians are in any way, in authority over others, they are called to treat them with the full knowledge that, that God is their master. They, too, are to use their authority with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, just as they obey Christ. They, too, are bondservants of Christ and must do the will of God from the heart. So, although I've had to be very brief with these Um, what we can see is that these relationships reveal God's ordained order for believers. He calls us to a submission that lives under the lordship of Jesus Christ in every area of life, as spouses, as children, as parents, servants, employees, and even citizens. So our second truth is that a submissive spirit lives under God's ordained order. In which relationships are you failing to live with a submissive spirit? What could you do differently to submit to Christ's loving lordship and live under God's ordained order? As I prepared to teach this lesson, as often happens, I had to live it, to learn it, then teach it. God showed me how I was failing to submit to my husband's headship. I made a thoughtless, ugly comment about the state of our backyard. It doesn't look very good right now. His reaction quickly convicted me of being an ungrateful, critical wife. Not just then, I realized that this was a sinful pattern. I clearly do not like submitting to my husband. I desperately need to be inspirited to develop a submissive spirit. That is the only way that I can truly live under God's ordained order. How about you? Have you been inspirited? So filled? with the life of God, that it altered your senses or it changed your entire being to the point that you were no longer yourself? The Christians of the early church wholeheartedly surrendered to Christ's lordship. Therefore, they were so filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that they were no longer the same. They boldly went out and they transformed the known world with the gospel. You and I, we have the same Adonai. We have the same omnipotent God. Do we exhibit this kind of power, this kind of boldness? Or have we forgotten that we are Christ's blood bought and treasured possession? Our union with Christ defines who we are, and it must define what we do. The life of God lives in us. I mean, that truth should overwhelm our souls. It should cause us to hunger and thirst to be filled with all the fullness of God. Let his life in you move you to surrender to him without reservation and with absolute abandon cultivate a submissive spirit that crowns Jesus Christ as Adonai over your life develop a submissive spirit that lives under God's ordained order does the word submissive describe your spirit beloved child of God turn your eyes toward the cross And catch anew the vision of the crucified Savior who loved you so much that he willingly died to make you his own. Remember afresh that the majestic, sovereign, life-giving power of Almighty God lives in you. Then, my friends, you cannot help but fall at his feet in full surrender To his loving lordship. Please pray with me. Oh Abba Father. You are our perfect heavenly father. Yet you are also. The all powerful great I am. Holy Spirit. I pray that you would continue to remind us. Who we are in Christ. We bear the title. Child of God. We are members of your beloved family. The treasured possession of the most high God. Oh Lord, our Adonai, how majestic and excellent is your name in all the earth. You have displayed your splendor above the heavens. We are humbled and honored to be called your children. Father, help us to remain assured of your extravagant love. Holy Spirit, equip us to walk in a manner that befits such a holy calling. And Jesus, help us to submit to you as our Adonai every moment of every day. You are our only Lord and beautiful Savior. It is in your mighty and merciful name that I pray. Amen.